two thirty. So, so oh, no problem. Yeah, so that's uh. I know how you tend to be long winded. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, nobody no, ever, I, said, nobody had, ever said that about me. Yeah, right, right, right. An industry under pressure, innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil and Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. Hey everyone, welcome back to another elegant episode of the Oil & Gas Tech Podcast right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network. This episode and all the episodes on the show, uh, as you've heard me say many times, are sponsored by our good friends at Cognite. And uh, we do love our sponsors at OGGM because without them, there is no us. And you know what happens if there's no us? You have nowhere to go for all of this fantastic content. So please show our sponsors some love, especially uh, especially Cognite. If you listen to this show and any of the other fantastic OGGN shows, of which there are many. And so if you haven't looked at the others, then go to our website, uh, which coincidentally is OGGN.com. And you can find out about all the all the podcasts that we have uh, that address various topics. And they all you can make them all show up in your favorite podcast platform. And, uh, and like I said, show our sponsors some love because... They do pay the bills and we do work. We really only work with people that we like and we work with people that are doing something valuable in the industry. So uh, so check out Cognite. If you haven't, uh, if you're not familiar, they are doing some amazing things with industrial data in the oil and gas industry. I think they're they're winning awards and turning heads in all directions. So so have a look at Cognite.com or I think they have like a cooler website. You can go right to make data do more.cognite.com and uh, and you'll learn about how to make to do more. I have a great, I have one of my favorite guests today. Um, and, uh, we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about talent, uh, of which mine is, is limited, but his is substantial. And, uh, and he works for a fantastic organization, which happens to sponsor one of our other podcasts. But first, before we get to that, um, uh, a couple of things. One, I got to thank all the listeners, uh, to this show and all the shows, because, um, you know, we look at the little fanometer every every week, and it, and it keeps going up, and more people are listening. So, 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 uh, so, if you're listening right now, thank you. If you're not listening right now, then uh, forget about you because uh, you're not hearing any of this. But if you're listening, then tell your friends because uh, we need more people to listen. And um, you know, and if the mood strikes you just right, you could even leave a review on your uh, on your favorite podcast platform. Also. Um, I'm not at the fabulous Canon today on the west side of Houston. We're in the uh, remote configuration, but uh, something cool that we're doing with the Canon now is, um, um, and the Canon. So this is just for those of you in Houston, but the Canon is, and, but a lot of our a lot of our friends are in Houston here. The Canon is a fantastic co-working facility. They have several locations around Houston, and if you go in there and mention that you heard about it on OGGN, you can get a free day pass, which is pretty cool. Also, you can get three months free on something called Canon Connect, which is their uh, entrepreneur uh, startup community platform. So, uh, but, but start with a day pass and at least go check out the Canon and see what it, we, we love it there. We have a lot of our events there, particularly the, the big one 
on the west side of Houston just mentioned that uh, you heard about it on OGGN. Another great thing that's happening at the Cannon is we have resumed our legendary OGGN happy hours, which are happening now on the last Thursday of every month. And, uh, and, and the next one, uh, depending on when you hear this, is going to be on July 29th. Uh, if you hear this and that date has already passed, then just look for the next for the last Thursday in August. We always have a great time. Um, you can sign up. You can show up. we got food, drinks. We usually have a, a, a great panel discussion. And you get to like hang out with other people in the industry, which is always fun. Okay, enough about that. Uh, coming to us today from beautiful coastal Connecticut. You are in Connecticut, right, Clinton? Is that, this is uh, a true fact, Michael. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, so Clinton Bonner, uh, a, a longtime friend of OGGN. Um, I think you're you're the VP of marketing at, at Top Quarter, right? Is it did I get that right? I'm, you are I'm two for remember. two. Two so for two, Michael. Because so because I know you, I don't do as much like prep I don't make notes about you. So and then I'm but then I'm like in the moment and I have to remember the facts. <laughs> so so thanks, uh, Clinton. Thanks. And also you're a podcast host yourself. So you're like a pro at this, right? I mean, you've got a couple podcasts that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. You know, VP of marketing at Top Coder. And we'll, we'll talk about, we'll talk about the talent and all, all that fun stuff and, uh, you know, what, what our purpose is, but yeah, on the, on the personal and then professional side, I, I host a podcast called Upriser, U-P-R-I-S-O-R. That's, that's hosted on the Top Coder side, my professional world where, we're, we're talking about the use of open talents and, and different platforms out there and use cases and and just industry experts who are experimenting with crowdsourcing and doing doing big things with uh, with the idea of, hey, just tapping talent when you need it in this kind of future work state. That's a ton of fun. Uh, and then on the for fun side, I'm actually- Even more a, fun. For even, yeah, the more even, fun. even more fun, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the work I do is actually fun, which is cool. But the even more, si- uh, more fun side, I'm a uh, Seattle Seahawks podcaster for a- podcast called Field Goals. That's a part of the SB Nation. And then I do one that's called Three In, Three Out, which is this like unique perspective on the Seahawks. It's uh, So we do off-season pods. We do a weekly during during the season and we dissect the games. We get into the nooks and crannies of uh, Seahawks football. And actually, one, one more fun piece of that, on 12-12, Seattle is playing your Houston Texans or your nah. fan base is Houston Texans. And I already have my hotel. I already booked my my flight. I'll, I will be in Houston on 12-12 to cheer on my Seahawks oh, fantastic. Uh, in, in your hometown. So yeah. Okay. So I got to put that on my calendar because we could hang out. Uh, sure. That's, that's December, right? 12-12. Yes, sir. 12-12. Yeah, December yeah. 12. Wow. That, that is planning ahead. All right. So um, so – so a West Coast team, they allow an East Coast guy to. to, to <laughs> I yeah, mean, I think the I think the NFL doesn't care where where the money streams in from, right? Well, okay, so, fair uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a you know, born, now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm a born and raised New Yorker, and I just when I was a little kid, like we're talking like five or six years old, I'm 43 now, so you could do the math. Um, I love their helmet. That was it. I love their like the color scheme, the blue, the green, the silver. I love their helmet. And my mom's, you know, had to had to send away for a catalog. This is back in the day where you had to like yeah, write a letter yeah. to then procure a catalog so right. that you could order something, right? So right. and then wait and then wait twelve weeks for it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And somehow, some way, yeah, I still still came through as a Seahawks fan, and I I, I had some lean years, but I, but I stuck with them, and they've they've rewarded my fanhood, which is, which is a lot of fun. That is okay. So this, it's really funny. So we didn't. So we haven't told. I I didn't know this about uh, about you, but. Um, I have almost the exact same story, except I was growing up in New Jersey, and it was the Miami Dolphins. 
Gotcha. Love the helmet. And that and that but so but I was lucky because I happened to fall in love with the dolphins right around the time and speaking of doing math, don't do the math on this one, but it was <laughs> it was it was right around the the you know whatever year it was when they went like like uh, 16 and 0 or something. 73, like. right? The 73 yeah. dolphins I believe. Yeah. yeah. So so maybe I missed maybe I missed that season, but they were still cuz I was I was a little bit young, but but um but but they were still kind of riding that that wave of popularity, yeah. and so uh, interesting. Although now I didn't stick with them like you have, and so uh, so that's commendable that you've uh, you've stuck with them. All, I appreciate all, all that. Years. And this too, you can't turn away now because now you now you're doing the podcast. Yeah, and now we're good. Turns out when you get a good quarterback, you tend to be a pretty good team in the NFL. You know, it was Bob right? Greasy back in my day. Yeah, yes, that's right was. for the for the for the Dolphins. All right, enough of that. Let's talk about this. Uh, and we and we did a little bit of this on the other show. Um, uh, so my my sister showed her this one, which is which coincidentally, uh, Clinton's company is the the top quarter sponsors, uh, the oil and gas digital doers, and and so we did. And you you did the lead off episode of digital doers, and we and we talked about um, some of this open talent model stuff. But it was it was a little bit sort of uh, it was a little philosophical. Um, so yeah. today we want to get I think into some of more of the um, uh, some some like rubber hits road kinds of examples, but just for those who may who maybe missed that episode and and uh, um, aren't familiar with this kind of this philosophy of using open talent, let's 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 cover that real quick. Like what is what is um, what is this whole open talent thing? Yeah, and and trying to keep it concise, it's it's very very simply using talent outside your four walls, right? So some people might call it open innovation. You might call it crowdsourcing. Uh, open talents kind of become this 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 <laughs> right. new name. What whatever that that doesn't really matter. Like the nomenclature is like whatever you want to kind of choose your weapon there. But just the philosophy of uh, you know accelerating projects and timelines with the use of outside talent that could come into project work or come into you know exploration work and, and it really works well um, this idea of using crowds it works really nicely for technology because technology can be broken down into like a lot of small components so when you could highly define things and, and put them into small components that can be worked on externally and and that could technically hook back in with with elegance, which is a word that you use at the very top, right? Um, well, that, then it, then, yeah. it, then it's, it's it's funny. It all it all comes together. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little easier. Um, it's more it's more like acceptable, if you will, to make sure that certain things are getting done outside your four walls. But then there's like the the scale. The scale can be like, do you want to do task level stuff so that you're getting you're getting um, you know menial stuff off the desks of of let's say your top developers, or you could slide it all the way over to say, hey, brand net new stuff or just new skills development that you don't have on your core team. And it's going to be very difficult for you to go tap that uh, in any sort of a, of a fast time frame. But what if you could just burst into the crowd and go get that skill set on a new technology stack when you needed it. Um, so there's that sliding scale that you could apply or just use it all in parallel. Like, okay, how do I tackle tasks with crowd? That's one way. How do I tackle maybe capacity and just backlog? That's something else. Or maybe how do I tackle like front end innovation? How do I do brand new things mm -hmm. via crowd? Because I just don't have that talent yet as part of my full-time bench. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, good, thanks for that. Yeah, it's funny when you, you, you started out by saying, 
talent outside your four walls, which for me, I, I just call that any talent really, but, right. but, sure. but no, I, I mean, because there's not any talent like inside my four walls. So I have to, I have to go outside my four walls to get any talent, but, but, um, um, <laughs> that, one, that one didn't, we're going to, no, we got no, to take, take that one out. That one didn't really go over. No, so, no, uh, <laughs> so, so, but, but the one thing I want to, I want to really clarify because, um, there have been models for getting talent going outside and getting talent from outside your four walls. Uh, and they're, you know, for a long time, there've been models for, and I grew up in the consulting world of world. Sure. You no. Know. And, uh, and there are, and, and we even used to package it different ways, right? We used to say, if you want, if you just want to have, uh, like hands on demand, we got that. If you want a capacity model, we put that together, you know, you want a turnkey project, whatever it is. Um, but even, but, but what you're describing now, what you guys are doing now is really is, di- is different, right. From the way that we used to do those kinds of things. Um, uh, so, so let, let's clarify that a little bit. Like yeah, how, how exactly, point. how is this different from when I just used to call up, uh, you know, my, my friends that I, I, I can't, I can't use any consulting company names because half of them come on the show from time to time. But, but when I used to, when I used to call those guys up and say, uh, this is what I need, right. Uh, how is this different? Yeah. A couple of key, that great question. A couple of key ways too is like, first of all, like in the, the open talent world, um, and especially for, and specifically for top coder and other platforms like top coder, uh, you know, this is virtual talent, right? It's, it's verified virtual talent. So the stacks you might want them in the skills, the skill, like kind of skills based work you want to go get done. And on the top coder world, we understand, we understand the talent we have, you know, over, over one and a half million technologists on the platform, been doing it for 20 years. But these people are not coming, you know, they're not flying down to Houston in, in this case. They are going to work globally. They're going to work remotely. They're going to be peeled into, uh, you know, into whatever you're using, whether that's Teams or Slack or, or you could work directly on like a platform like ours, a top coder platform. But it is, so that's one major way is that it's, it's not physical talent. It is tapping virtual talent where they are, which by the way is, it's a great way to get out that literally get outside your, your bubbles. So that when you're doing projects, you are getting you know, far different perspectives and different experiences for people that may have done stuff that's near field or out of fields who can then take what they know and apply it to your problems. Uh, yeah, whether that's yeah. just you know technology or maybe a data science problem or a user experience or data visualization challenge. But that's the first main main thing. And then the second I think is all the 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 uh, credential you know credentialization and the verification of understanding who this talent is while they may be virtual and they may be in a cafe somewhere, you know, like three quarters away across the globe, having an understanding of their verified skill sets. Like they have done work before in this skill set and it's digitized and, and mapped out. And you could trust, it's like trusting the platform. You're going to get good individuals, but if one person says no to the work, well, then the next two people that say yes are going to be darn good also. So it's, it's not like, island hopping person to person. It's more like trusting a platform to, to continuously deliver right. you quality talent. Virtual, virtual talent. Yeah, yeah. virtual. Yeah. Uh, so virtual. So, so it does it does line up with me pretty well because a lot of people have said that I'm virtually talented. So, <laughs> okay, that, that one works. That, that, that one landed more. That one, that one okay, landed. There we go. So, <laughs> so, so um, I think there's a whole subject here that I'm, I'm going to hold myself back from going into, but I would love to, again, because I said I grew up I grew up on the side in the consulting world where I was the person, I was the one throat to choke in terms of delivering the quality. And so everything that you just said to me sounds really 
fantastic, but the, it leads me to want to ask about, okay, but if I'm a customer, how do I, how do I know that, like who, who's on the hook to deliver quality? But I, yeah. so, but I'm going to, I'm just going to put like a, like a placeholder in that part of the discussion. And, um, and maybe we come back and do that because, because I know that you have a way of doing that and I know that sure. works really well. So let's just say for the, for the sake of, uh, everybody just suspend your disbelief for now and say, okay, that, cause, cause what I want to get into is some of this, since this is the tech show, I want to, want to see how this is playing out in terms of enabling technology to be uh, really, I think one way to, to say it is enabling people to, 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 um, to leverage technology more quickly, more easily in, in a lot of cases. Right. Yeah. So, um, so let's take, and by the way, uh, you, you almost hit all the, like, so, so Clint and I were joking before we got started here, we were just chatting about like, how much, how much preparation do you do for your podcast? And we figured out that, that I do virtually none and he does, uh, he does some, and we know that some other people do a lot more, but this is why I don't do any, cause you jumped to the last, so you already hit the last bullet point that I have here that now we, now I have to like, now I have to like on the fly reorganize this, uh, this, this, this format that we have, this, this yeah. three, the three bullet points. So let's go to that last one. Sure. Um, because, uh, what you just kind of, the last thing that you were saying there, which is, um, um, th- because I think this is something in oil and gas in particular that has become more valued in the last couple of years, which is getting a diverse outside perspective on, on things. It, it used to be that companies in this industry were not so much, uh, that wasn't really their thing. Um, but it's much more, um, people are much more interested now in understanding what are other people doing and getting those perspectives. So, how, so, so talk about that a little bit more. Like, what is using this crowd, um, this crowd approach or this open talent approach? Because, because, because my first thought is, oh, great! Now I'm going to have like all these people that have their more opinions on things, right? And I'm going to have to reconcile all those opinions. Um, so, how 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 does this work? How does this work uh, to help? Yeah, no, that's that's a, a cool question. So, um, and as you said, yes, yes, there there are ways that we there there are services that are applied so that you get the outcomes you're after, and that you you know if you want that one choke to throat, you still got it, which is good because you're not going to go chasing people around the globe who might be coming in and out of your work because just, that's just stupid, right? Um, right. And how do I hold them accountable, right? That's of course, right. exactly. Yeah. So that, that there's a whole a whole philosophy and way that we've been doing that. And again, we're enterprise focused, right? So that's 20 years of working with. If they didn't have someone to have someone to grab a hold of and make sure their project is done. They would never hire us in the first place, right? So, Correct. Um, right, right. But, but we could talk more about that too. And to, and to this question though, yeah, we're, we're hit, hitting at the ideas of getting outside perspectives. So a lot, a lot of corporate work and, and corporate, um, uh, let's call it energy, is going into the areas of ESG and, and DEI, right? So And the combination of those things. So one thing that I think is eluding people, or it's kind of like it's always been there, but they're not making the connection quite yet, is the idea that if you were to look at open talent, if you are to use uh, crowdsourcing models and, and talent communities, again, like Topcoder, and there are others out there, um, right. you are getting these innate benefits of some of outside perspectives and outside talent. So not to check a box on diversity, but to actually get diverse opinions, to actually get diverse uh, culture when it comes to d- design concepts or, or uh, you know, n- newest technology stacks that might be a little bit more prevalent in one part of the globe versus a- another part of the globe that sure, maybe it's sure, trailing right. behind. So there's, yeah. there's quite a bit of that there. And 
then you literally do get diverse people from across the globe. And that could be different genders, of course, different races and, and different different ages, because a lot of times in, in the top quarter world too, sure, you'll have that 20-year-old who's like moonlighting on top coder while, while they're doing a job while they're at school, right? Or they're sure. starting a startup. But you also get the 72-year-old who knows their stuff and really has a good pulse of some traditional technologies that are that are still um, present and still needed. So, like even the even that idea of like the ageism can go away. So there's lots of a lot of those isms can fade away or at least be mitigated quite a bit or fought back with when you're just using crowd because again you're innately getting um, and we don't care. Like we're not looking at somebody based on their pedigree, based on their age, any of that where they where they're geolocated. We could give a crap about that. To be frank, right, what right. we care about is. Are you skilled in that area and are you willing to come do the work? And then I do want to then rotate it. You're asking about how do you filter? How do you how do you make sure if it's crowdsourcing, you're not getting like 99 garbage solutions and one okay one and you got to, <laughs> right. you know, because that's right. a ton of work. That's yeah, that. yeah, sure, sure. You'll, you'll end up killing yourself to try and get, you know, fish out that one, that one good one. So the thing there is a lot of a lot of the work that happens on top coder um, isn't isn't about like a one to one match of talent. We we do we do that. We have two ways that people engage us. But our, our the one we've been doing for twenty years and still the bulk of our work are actually crowdsourcing challenges. They're they're open open units of work that go out to the community where people can. They're not coming in and bidding. They're not saying, "Ooh, I'll do that for twenty two bucks and I'll do that for eighteen bucks," and you get this right, right. horrible race to the bottom. Which back to back it's to only ESG. only government contracts worth. That, yeah, right? yeah. Well, I mean, back to ESG though. Like there are platforms out there that pit each other, that pit yeah, talent yeah. against each other, and you get this bad race to the bottom where someone just thinks they have to keep lowering their prices to win the bid, lowering their prices to win the bid, right. and they end up they end up frankly, I think getting a bit abused for the, for the value they're providing. Uh, we just don't do that. We our, our units of work go out with, um, you know exactly what you can win. You know exactly how many people are entering a particular competition. So you could self-select it and be like, okay, I could beat these guys and girls. Or, or you'd be like, oh man, the competition is really tough. I'm probably going to go look for another, another yeah, thing I could go do on Top yeah, Coder. Yeah. Um, but so it's really it's a very transparent way of, of just kind of uh, presenting the work and then people self-selecting in. But then it's also about like um, if it's like a data science project where you you want to get different perspectives. And with data science, we do a ton of that work. You want to look at things that are like uh, you want to look at the approach of a data science solution. You know, of course, you want to go look at the algorithm, go look at the math and go see did it compute and how fast and how accurate and all, all the things, how predictive. But you also want to say, how the heck did you arrive here? You yeah. know, so there's a lot of value in the approach. Because we might want to repeat the process. Again. Oh, very much so. Very, very much so. Occasionally, occasionally, yeah, we want to do it again. So uh, interesting. So all right, so let's get so let's go. Um, and I know you have a. Uh, um, well, 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 first of all, I, I just I want to make this one comment that as you're describing some of that stuff about working that way, you know, it's almost like, uh, in my mind, it sort of makes me think of like, like, like cloud computing, except for the people part, yep. right? 
um, and you don't with with cloud you don't have to bring you don't have to you know there are times when you need to expand and and ramp up and spin things up but you don't want to own all that stuff necessarily you don't have the budget you don't have the capital right and so you want to be able to uh, to uh, ramp that that capacity up and down based on whatever you got going on um, you know it what you're describing sounds very similar with the same sort of like like levers and safeguards and things like that um, do, you, do you guys yeah. ever think of it that way is am i the only one who thought of that no no we talk, we, we absolutely do and i'm gonna i'm gonna make you sound even smarter here michael uh there's there's a, there's a yeah, there's a guest we had on the upriser podcast his name is matthew matola he lives in miami now um really good dude but he he and and uh, his business part, partner wrote a book called the human cloud and it is oh, literally go. about it's about the same it's the the philosophical bridge to being to what you just said like hey yeah, yeah, yeah. we did yeah. this with, with cloud because of ex, you know all the reasons we have cloud it's the same um, reasons right yeah. it's very 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 analogous and then he applies the idea to all these different different things that are now being now being done uh, call it more graciously more efficiently via human cloud so very you know, that's, I think you're spot on there. So we, we do look at it that way. The bottom line is it's it's about the, the ability to burst when you have to and planning for that burst, um, you know, without having to spend, let's say, three to six months of, of incredible amount of paperwork and understanding of exactly what you're going to have to have to go execute on something yeah. versus like, again, right. having platforms you trust that you could burst to near on demand or pretty much, you know, like as needed, which is right. just gives you a lot more resilience. Cool. All right. So there you go. There you have it. The human cloud. Um, let's get back to this. Um, uh, that makes perfect sense. So when I mean, you think about it, like financially and everything else, it makes perfect sense. Yes. Let's go back to this data science thing. And I know that you guys have, uh, you, you have a good story about what was one of my favorite um, operators, oil companies. And uh, like many other people, I was sorry to see them go Anadarko. Um, they had some, they, they had some amazing talent in house and they were doing very innovative things, uh, all the time, all the time. So what, so, and, and I know you got something to do. There's like a data science story that involves them. So, uh, yeah, so yeah what's I, can, that all about? I think this is a good one to kind of crystallize that the kind of work it was talking about the scale earlier, like, Oh, menial tasks versus all the way over to like groundbreaking data science work. And how do you want to apply crowd? So first and foremost, kudos to the, yeah, I know they don't exist anymore, but the Anadarko team, I think, were I think it's almost like a cult classic in, in the Houston area, you know, in the sense <laughs> really? in oil and gas, because yeah. of what they were marching on and how they were actually doing digitization when sometimes others are kind of talking about it but not not quite getting there. Right. And and one of the so they were a great team. They were a lot of fun to work with. And one of the projects specifically was the uh, was the uh, digitization of, of mud logging. Right. So, mm -hmm. right, right. So, you know, and, and again, I, I know your audience is going to know mud logging way more than, than my Seahawks audience. And your Seahawks say, audience. You know? Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, and, the, and of course, for anybody, my, my layman's person's knowledge of it, you, you dip the thing, you go get a channel of, of the earth and you bring it up in columns. And then you would yeah. examine, you would look at the different, uh, the different layers of it, which is obviously, you know, kind of going back in time and looking at history, if you will, the sediment of the earth. Right. And through very manual analysis, the mud loggers, right, who would sit in trailers and literally taste and, and touch, um, you would get an analysis of where you, you might want to go drill, right? And have yeah, an understanding of what, what's around here. So, you know, the, they, the only thing you left out is, is the part where 
then you then you call up the geoscience team and you decide who won the office pool about what was actually underneath underneath. The I like that. There you but, go. Hey, uh, hey if, you, if you're not, not gambling, that, that part's not always documented. <laughs> if you're not gambling in your everyday life stuff, then you're you're doing it wrong, right? So there's there's ways to there's ways to weed gambling into basically everything uh, for fun, for fun, for, you know, course, a, a, fun. a lunch or a beer or both. Yes, uh, yes. So so you know the Anadarko team was like, hey, we have again the data is there. Like we have all this data. And in this case, they had, you know, I mean, reams and reams. We're talking photographic evidence. And then like things that are denoted, like handwritten notes all over and, and different different notations because different because it's different mudloggers doing this work. And they're like, we want to be able to digitize this process so that we can use we could um, use machine learning, um, use you know net new uh, com- computer vision technologies, and we could digitize that entire catalog of what what was already documented, and then take the algorithms and apply it forward, right? So that the next the next channel that you take out of the earth, you right. can take the algorithms and apply it and say how would how would you know the the average really good mudlogger how what would they say about this next stack and and how much efficiency can you gain and right. there's a lot of efficiency there's efficiency in number 1 how long it would take and then your accuracy you know cuz obviously mudlogger a versus mudlogger b versus mudlogger c they might think they are going to think differently about every single stack they look at sure. um, and how could a computer uh, algorithm learn to compile the way they would have and then apply it forward. So we're talking about very heavy, heavy set work here. And to hit the fast forward button a little bit, um, this was a series of data science challenges that were that were done with Anadarko on Topcoder. And you know, in general, the average competition would last uh, about two to three weeks. That would be out out to the platform. There'd be several weeks, if not months, of preparation for each of them because we're talking data science. So you have to have really good ground truth. You have to know your testing suites and you got to really understand right. your scoring mechanisms and how is the algorithm performing. We do all that. We do all that with, with the professional services applied to crowd. But then the horsepower is straight up. Let's put out a really good problem and get it out to the crowd. And then lo and behold, we'll get dozens, in this case, you know, dozens or several dozens of data scientists working on the problem in parallel for you. Uh, and then there's a timeline. So the whistle's going to blow at some point. So they are submitting code and, and we're, we're testing it near real time. And then we, you know, come back with a, with a scoreboard and say, here's how you folks placed and, and, and then money's distributed. Um, so we did a series of those with, with Anadarko along with Things like visualization, you know, components so that it could, that it could come out on a laptop and people in the field could could get analysis real quickly. Um, you know, highly, highly successful work where at the end of the day, they had extremely sophisticated approaches, refined algorithms, and then visualizations back out to the to the folks who are on the ground through, um, you know, through like uh, uh, tablet tablet applications that were powered by the algorithm all done through crowd. So yeah, yeah. with with really good results. But again the the level of work it's 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 high. It's it's that is high knowledge work. None right. of those data scientists knew about oil and gas, but they can get around a math problem and sure. and deliver something of a real business value. Yeah, so so um, yeah, and what's making a lot of that uh, possible is is it, so this is where you go back to this idea of leverage, right? So when I when I when I at the beginning of this somewhere I said something about 
you know, how, how, how this approach to talent allows us to leverage, get more leverage from it. And I'm not using the word leverage there like people use it today, which is like just as a substitute for use, right? Like I'd like right. to, uh, I'd like to leverage your, your bottle opener there, please do. Although, although a bottle opener does involve leverage. So that's, that's, that's a bad example. That's but, a d- double entendre yeah, there, Michael. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> it happens to me all the time. So, um, no, but, but leverage as in like the, uh, you know, like if you remember elementary school science class i mean i don't know i guess they still teach us in science but but you know we're, you know the, the picture with the rock and you want to move the rock but you know you got to get the, the the longer you get the pole with the long handle and the longer the handle is um the, the easier it is to move the rock like that's the kind of leverage that i'm talking about and and you can and i've seen cases where people have had these technologies in place right but to get the value out of them um and to get the high that that high that high value quickly um, and that kind of throughput on these initiatives um, is, is the kind of, I mean, that's the, that that's in my mind, that's what you're describing, right? Is, is it's great to have these technologies in place. Now, um, how are we going to get value out of them? And this talent, this approach to bringing people to bear on the problem um, uh, is kind of like the longer handle on the stick. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's, it's a good metaphor. I think it works. And that is, and it's because if the talent wasn't there, then like everybody who's listening right now would can do, can do a mind exercise, a thought experiment on like, how would they traditionally go do the work and what's the process for that? And, and how long will it take? And the other piece too, is you got to remember, this is not happening in isolation in the Anadarko case. It's not happening in isolation in a black box where the Anadarko team doesn't know what's happening. Like, no, no, the Anadarko team set this up as part of how they get how they got work done at that point. So they were working on, you know, several projects and this was an element of something they wanted done through the crowd while they were still working on other stuff in parallel. So it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it is it's just a it's just like okay, it's it is simply like talent augmentation and then hey, time is time. 24 hours is 24 hours unless you're, you know, approaching a black hole and then, and then there's all sorts of, of time manipulation. But <laughs> as we as we sit on earth, time is time for us. And so 7 days are in the week and you know and there's, there's a month that will go by. How much you can throughput really depends on how much access you have to talent because the ideas I know are for the folks listening right now, there's probably people bubbling going, Oh man, if I had access to 20 more data scientists, yeah, I'd, I just go do these next two or three things this quarter. That's, that's it. It's, it's not, it's, it's really nothing more, you know, grandiose than um, exceptional horsepower in, in specific, specific ways. But that is, in my opinion, the leverage you're talking about. Right. And that changes the math on how quickly on your time to value. There was something else that you and I talked about um, uh, earlier when we were just chatting. Oh, yeah, yeah, So this like edge thing, right? Because this yeah. is another area that's very, that there's a lot of focus um, in the industry, right? That there has been the last couple of years about how to, um, and, and we've done many episodes on edge computing and all the kinds of things that people are trying to do with, you know, getting at all that data and, and, and all the things we want to do with that data, whether it's there at the edge or whether it's back in the cloud, et cetera. But, um, but the ed- edge computing is also sort of an area where we're doing a lot of experimenting and like, like there's a lot of stuff that we haven't done before. And so, so naturally we want to do a lot of, we want to prove a lot of things out. We want to do a lot of experimenting. We want to do POCs. We want to get through all of that quickly. Um, 
this is another area, right, where we can where you can bring that leverage to to drive a lot of value a lot more quickly. Yeah. So I, I mean, just going back, the theme for me is like that that idea of on a scale, right? Like again, menial tasks or super super hard uh, complex things, and then there's almost like another axis that's like, hey, the the digitization of mud logs was a was a older technology that they wanted to digitize. Cool. That's that's a great use case, very defined. And again, we had ground truths available, and we could we can go create algorithms algorithms net new and test against them. Awesome. There's the other side of like of greenfield and, and crowd crowd plus greenfield applications. To me, is it is a pasture, like literally, it is it, it is a greenfield pasture to run through. So if you're a product owner or you are tied to a team where where you know um, experimenting with edge computing is part of your charter. In my opinion, crowdsourcing, whether it's top coder or not, um, should be should be kind of like your best friend. You should be really thinking about the application of of the outside outside in talent for edge computing uh, computing like proof of concepts, and that's because a lot of times you're going to have very niche, you know, often brand new stacks. We're talking. APIs that, that that might not be quite documented yet, and things like that that are right. that are like people spinning up their own edges out there. And what what can you do as almost like a straight up innovation factory on the edge, um, using crowd that way, getting five or six or eight or twelve technologists to have enough understanding. Remember, they don't need to be experts. That's like I think it's a misconception, especially when 